Welcome to A New Conversation with Chani and Peretz, Episode 4, Part 1. Our guest is Ariella Murrow, Brandeis Class of 2006, who is now a doctor, wife, and mother. Ariella chose not to be anonymous when sharing her experience of sexual assault so that she can model the critical need to remove the shame and silence which so often surrounds these experiences. Her nuanced and thoughtful reflections, which also involves faith, moved me and I anticipate will move you too. Ariella also sponsored this podcast, and to quote her, this is in honor of my siblings, two women and one young man who are truly people of strength and valor, my pillars. And in special gratitude to Chabad at Brandeis, a place whose inspiration and indelible impression on my life has transcended time and distance. It's lovely to be in a sunlit kitchen in LA um, with Ariella Marot, who is an alumnus of Brandeis University and where we met many years ago. I was younger, you were younger. What year did you graduate? Oh, I graduated in 2006, honey. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so 12 years ago. That's feels fantastic. Like, feels like it was yesterday. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, yes, parts of it do and parts of it don't also. Um, you have, uh, you continued your schooling and became a doctor. You're also now a young and lovely um, wife and mother of two, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, a boy and then a girl. And it's really a joy to be in your home after having you in our home for so many years and then not seeing each other continuously. So um, I'm here because, firstly, to just give you a hug but, and see you, but also because about two weeks ago, if I'm correct, you shared something in a public way on social media that um, moved me tremendously and I'm certain moved many others and I reached out to you to continue sharing your story in a, another way but also in a public way. So if you can um, share your story um, and then also perhaps tell us why you were motivated to initially share and then even continue the conversation here. Um, thanks so, so much. So first of all, Hani, <laughs> a pleasure to see you in my home across the country uh, from the beautiful home that uh, you opened uh, to me over my years at Brandeis University and um, have inspired me and countless other students um, over the years. And um, your work is inspirational and you guys are pioneers um so kol hakavod and like bravo um and thank you for reaching out to me um about um something that's really important to me and i think increasingly important in the public dialogue um so um a, a couple weeks ago i really felt compelled to post on facebook about um being sexually assaulted um, when I was a teenager. Uh, so, um, actually, in my post, I didn't say what happened to me. So, this is kind of, I think, the first 
public forum in which I would have ever spoken about this in my life. Um, and it happened when I was living in Israel um, in 2001. Um, I was 17 years old, living in Yerushalayim, um, a seminary student. Um, I had recently um, ended a several-year relationship with a, um, my boyfriend, and um, I was out late at night, wanting to have a good time, went to a party, um, actually ended up um, going home with a young man and continuing to, I guess, have a good time, um, and, um, and ended up leaving. And it was late at night. It was the middle of the night. It was pitch black. Um, and I had called a cab, um, which I had done numerous times living in Israel, but this was a different, um, trip. Um, I was picked up. Um, I had had, you know, some to drink, um, and I just remember having a very long ride that seemed out of the ordinary. Um, and the other thing that was out of the ordinary was that um, the driver asked me to sit in the front and he was very charming and I remember quite handsome. Um, and I didn't mind it. I was feeling like, why not being free and having fun, like I had said. Um, and unfortunately, I think the trip took a turn um, for the worse. Um, I remember, having uh, like a drink that I had put down and I think when I picked when I picked it back up it wasn't the same drink um, I remember feeling really out of it and kind of I think how probably um, the women who were assaulted by Bill Cosby might have felt like v really um, dreamlike state and fading in and out of what felt like real reality. Um, and I and that's where my memory of that evening um, is perhaps imperfect. But I remember being like in the back seat and this man on top of me and my legs in the air and just feeling like I couldn't push back or I couldn't get him off. And I didn't I wasn't fully aware of what was happening and I, I was kind of incredulous. Um, so I have these like scenes in my mind just of playing this, um, <clears throat> playing this uncomfortable scene in my mind. Um, I, and I have other visions of like being carried into an apartment where he brought me to see his brother and they were both like on top of me and taking turns and kind of egging each other on in this very awkward sexual experience. Um, um, and, and I remember kind of feeling an out-of-body experience, like watching myself being assaulted. Um, and, um, and then the night ended, or I guess it was already morning. Um, and I remember waking up and them telling me that they would take me home and they dropped me off in front of my seminary and I kind of got out and like kind of didn't know what had happened and just kind of walked in the building. Um, and I said to my friend, I think I need to go get some testing. I had had sex last night. Can you come with me? And we went and I got all the panel and thank God I was not pregnant, not no sexual diseases um, and kind of tuck that away.
Um, you didn't tell your friend what happened. You just said you had sex. No, I didn't tell her. And I guess among the women, the girls in my seminary, I was definitely among the more adventurous. And so I don't think that that caught her off guard per se about mm. the sex part. Mm. Um, I definitely wasn't, you know, um, the only girl in seminary, perhaps. Um, but she didn't think anything of that. Um, so the year went on um, and finished, and I moved home. Um, and I knew that something was different. Um, I didn't go straight to college. I took a year. I lived with my family at home. I took a ton of karate classes. I actually practiced um, Shotokan karate for about four hours every day. Um, and I got really strong and I got, I earned my brown belt. I committed myself to just knowing that I was physically very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I knew that I would never put myself in like a vulnerable situation. But I didn't at that point actually realize that I was sexually assaulted, which sounds crazy, right? Like. Wow. Like having told the story out loud, now that I know what I went through, it's like, of course, that was rape. Uh, But I I promise you, I didn't feel like it was. Um, And I think, I don't know how many women can relate to that, but uh, as a young girl, as a teenager raised in an Orthodox household, to want to go out and have fun and be sexual not sex per se but embrace my sexuality and want to feel sexy and wanted and all those things was taboo and so after my after what happened to me that night i felt very ashamed i felt like that's what girls get when they go out and want to have a good time i deserved it and i got what was coming to me um and so I, f- I felt too embarrassed to tell anybody. Like, Ariella, you should know better than sit in front of a, in a taxi cab. You should know better than going out late at night. You should know better than, you know, and the list goes on. And so I, I didn't understand that even when you make poor decisions, it doesn't mean that somebody else should take advantage of you sexually or otherwise. Um, It took me many, many years to come to that realization. Um, So, so how did it eventually come out? Yes. Um, And only recently. Well, it actually came out a little bit. Okay. um, And I can't remember the circumstances, but I, I can't remember the circumstances, but I remember for some reason, I think it was around the time when I, I had been engaged at the mm. end of college. Mm. I think you remember. And um, I think my family and my parents and I were kind of trying to discuss issues around my um, ambivalence. And I think it might have come out at that time that I told my mom. And my mom told my dad. And I think of my parents as pretty progressive, but I was stunned that they kind of didn't believe me and 
kind of like if that really happened to you why didn't you say something or do something we would have brought you home um you know how how it i felt like my parents were telling me if something bad had actually happened to you you would have actually said something like and i was i was stunned my my mother didn't believe me that a man sexually violated me two men brothers oh at night alone late in jerusalem you know that was the i think the other part mm-hmm. of it is that you know it's it's really hard to come to terms with that jewish men living in the holiest place in the world this the capital of you know the jewish nation where this does happen and that i think was pretty stunning for my mother to come to terms with i realized that that happens or that happened to me there which but um you know i think eventually my parents believed me um and it I should have realized at that time that was merely reflective of, I think, a larger conscious or a, a larger. Um, I'm trying to find the word perspective mm-hmm. or belief that a, a survivor of sexual assault should X, Y, and Z should behave a certain way, should look a certain way, should act a certain way, should be a certain woman. Certainly not the daughter of, you know, David and Linda Morrow. Um, orthodox jews who raise their kids quote-unquote right and that's a huge fallacy um so so and i didn't talk about it for years um i think i disclosed it to my husband when we were dating um and other than that it really left my consciousness it left your consciousness For deliberate reasons, or um, it you just didn't interact with it mentally and emotionally. I don't think I needed to think about it. Mm. Somehow, somehow, perhaps, and I think about this: was it because I was drugged that I wasn't scared, or I knew I wasn't in in I, somehow I. I had this awareness in my brain that I wasn't in danger. Like I knew they weren't going to kill me. I knew I wasn't bleeding. I wasn't being injured on my body other than being raped. You know what I mean? And not wanting to have sex and feeling like I wanted to push them off. And I tried and one brother was bigger than the other, but like certainly one of them I couldn't push off at all. But Somehow in my mind, this wasn't a they're going to kill me situation. And I somehow don't identify that with this as being violent. And even though I was violated. So interesting, because as a listener, I'm blown away by you not describing it as violent when all I see is violence. But you explaining it because you, you didn't physically get into a fight with them. And... I, and I wonder if part of that was my my feeling of like I deserve this or this was coming to me as it's happening as it's happening of like wow this is the this is the punishment for being a wanton girl wow um which 
is false. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you learn. You needed to learn that. I needed to learn that. There's no excuse. And um, and and as I was living this and watching myself, I remember and even talking about it now with you, Connie. Like like I said, I really haven't actually told the story out loud. Mm-hmm. Maybe to a couple of people more details are coming back to me and I remember now and, and I remember like now being like okay enough like pushing them and, and, and then they finally left me alone like I I remember that um so I think it's in con- in in contrast to many sexual assault experiences which are very scary I think to the survivor and she doesn't know or he doesn't know what's going to happen and if they're going to kill me and if I'm going to be alive and if anybody can come and help me or, you know, somehow I just had the sense that it wasn't that. Hmm. Um, And so when I left it behind me and I just didn't think or talk about it, I, I I don't know that I was stifling this like trauma that was bubbling up and, and, um, being, detrimental to my uh, emotional well-being or my ability to thrive in the world and and there's some evidence for that you know thank god i've developed a a loving marriage um we've been married for nine years um i'm married to a wonderful man we have two beautiful children um with whom i'm close you know i um thank god i've become a doctor i have wonderful work relationships and and definitely this does not define me 17 years after this happened you're you know you're an adult now Um, really (laughs) (laughs) yes um and perhaps you became an adult quicker than many of us um your parents didn't believe you and did that did that make you kind of revert back to the silence or do you think do you think if your parents would have listened, um, do you think you would have this would have been more public, not necessarily on social media, but you would have been speaking about this and engaging with this sooner, or not necessarily? That's an interesting question, Connie. So, speaking of that, my parents didn't believe me. Um, I, I it bothered me for a little while, mm-hmm. and then I told my story to them. My mother kind of said to me, like, things like that happen to everybody. She said that to you, and if it happened to you, you would have told people. She said both. She said both. I don't think that she knew that. I mean, I I don't think it happens to everybody that you're raped by two men living in a foreign country, you know, when you're 17. I think and in some, a Jewish seminary, and in a Jewish seminary, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there is a spectrum, and mm-hmm. and I and I think what she was referring to is that sexual assault takes many forms and is exceedingly prevalent, mm-hmm. which is very true. That and true. and in today's world, I think we're seeing that it takes so many forms. So, it's ubiquitous, um, and it, and so some form of sexual assault, my my mother for sure had. She was, you know manhandled by men working in the political campaign when she was a a young woman and my aunt and I have discussed that on many occasions as well and so 
that part of it is prevalent. Um, and ultimately, I think they did believe that I had some sort of sexual assault. Um, and that was enough for me. And I kind of didn't think about that again either. It wasn't that important to me that they recognized that something important happened to me. What was important was that I was okay. I'm moving on. Like, enough. And I don't feel like it traumatized my ability to, like I said, have healthy relationships. So that even didn't even bother me. Um, so fast forward to today um, and and what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the amazing Empowering Me Too movement has um, been born um, and is still, I think, in its adolescence and maybe even toddlerhood um, and um, has been so instrumental in bringing a voice to women who have been sexually assaulted but it's already been around for a while and I didn't feel um, uh, prompted to speak up at all other than you know hashtag me too kind of when it started you know all that circulated and I wrote yeah hashtag me too no details no nothing and um, didn't think about it much else However, over the last weeks leading up to my post on Facebook was the Senate hearings with um, Judge Kavanaugh and Dr. Ford. Um, And that brought immense feelings about being sexually assaulted to my everyday consciousness. It was dramatic. totally different than hearing about all the Me Too stories. Really profoundly different. Um, How so? You know, maybe in many ways. Um, The woman, a professional, a mother, successful, beautiful, um, eloquent, not defined by her sexual assault. I mean, and then, never having discussed it, didn't feel the need to bring it to the forefront, would never have talked about it other than the fact that the person who assaulted her, and I believe that she's telling the truth, was going to become a Supreme Court justice. And there's no way she would have ever wanted to bring this to the public forum other than that fact. So, yeah, if the men who sexually assaulted me were being brought to the Supreme Court to be nominated for the next justices, you better believe I would speak up. I mean, the world needs to hear that such a man did a horrible thing. Um, Listen, I think men and women make mistakes. Um, but when somebody who has that potential within them is being nominated to the highest court in the nation to uphold the rule of law in the world I live in, I, I cannot abide and be quiet And for that reason, I identified so much with Dr. Ford that she 
felt compelled to to come forward and speak up and i identified with that um and i felt like i could have been there sitting in front of the senate telling my story and i even though the men who did this to you are not being nominated no i identified with a woman who never wanted to tell her story mm. and never felt like she needed to but her assault couldn't be silenced if this man was going to rise to that position and i thought it was extremely telling the way that he responded to it which again in my opinion is not that response was un was unfit to sit in the in the supreme court um so 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 i was really demoralized i felt that it was a circus where yes some in the senate heard her yes they let her testify and they asked her questions somewhat respectfully then the president of the united states would mock her and not just mock her in his mind or in his bedroom or to his friends but in front of the entire nation this is a low in our nation in our country in our consciousness where a woman has brought herself naked to tell a story of being traumatized from decades ago and the response is to ridicule her and debase her statements i could not abide by that and i i felt compelled to bring forward my story because i feel if we all speak up and and more and more of us who are not defined by our trauma who are successful who have held a secret for decades we can't all be lying and you can't not you the country cannot ridicule all of us you know i think about it like how, how women didn't have the right to vote how black people were discriminated against so much and obviously still to this day there is racism alive and well and sexism you know somewhat alive and well but there was a different mindset decades ago and it took people's voices millions of people coming together out loud to overturn that or change the injustice that's going on and so me speaking up today is not to change today but i know that our boys your sons my son you know their generation is going to go up grow up with a different perspective and that's not going to be okay do you know what i mean just like mm -hmm. many many years ago they thought it was okay for women not to vote or for black people to have a use a, to have to use a different drinking fountain or to have separate schools you know that was just the consciousness of this is okay and so we must speak up today to change the next generation 
because I don't know that we're going to change it today. But there was recently just an article published, um, I can't remember uh, where online, but it talked about that, like the Hanes um, stockings ad from the 80s. And it was a man saying women wear Hanes because men like it. That is not something that people would talk about today. I mean, it just isn't. Or these suggestive, um, you know, print ads of like women sitting, you know, seductively and all, all the men looking at them. And that was okay to use as an advertising tool. But today you don't do that. It's and a different so, language. Exactly. That's well said. The current events um, drove you to share, motivated you, inspired you, also perhaps even made you angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to say enough is enough with the silence. Yes. I, I, I didn't realize that I had silenced myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, and and I think Dr. Ford silenced herself and um, we didn't say anything because it didn't define us yes. and it wasn't holding us back from the accomplishments of our life. You know, we overcame that and more. And on succeed. your own, yeah. I should say. There wasn't, did you go to therapy? Did you? No, I don't think I did therapy about that. Right. There was a lot of things in my life that I need to do therapy for. Um, but now, since posting it mm-hmm. is actually the first time that I've explored it in a therapy setting. So I see a, a psychologist. Um, I'm very happy to, that I do. <laughs> and it is something that we're exploring. Yeah. Um, so um, the silence you started talking about. So the silence. So the silence is um isn't as the word that we use in medicine isn't benign so it's not um staying silent is um itself part of the problem um because i felt that if we continue to be silent these events will continue to happen unabated. The silence that you said you silenced yourself, but also to the people who haven't experienced the same thing or the people who also didn't believe you, do you consider that also silence that isn't benign? Absolutely. Um, The silence that's generated, I think, the silence that occurs after a woman a person is sexually assaulted is so multifactorial. There are so many reasons why somebody would silence themselves or be silenced. Um, you know, I felt ashamed. I felt guilty. I felt that I had brought it on myself. Um, and nobody would ever want to talk about that. Um, and I blamed me, not and, and, and that I had created these circumstances, not that somebody else was wanton and going out and wanting to have a good time it with the fair, the fair that they had picked up. Oh, look at this cute girl. I, you know, that wasn't my, my perspective at all. Um, you know, and the other thing that silences women, and I think that people can relate to this, just is that there's a, there was at least, I think 
less today, just a culture of boys being boys Mm -hmm. and permissiveness of their craving for sexuality and that it's okay to objectify a woman. You don't have to think of her as nothing, but it's okay to be desirous of her sexuality. Um, And I think now women are are empowering themselves more to to um, say that that's not okay to um, express how that devalues them and devalues us, um, and and that's a cultural shift. Um, and the Me Too movement, I think, has been um, integral um, in changing the culture. Um, more so than I think men ever acknowledged or knew that they were actually influencing the world in that way. Um, and, 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 I, and, I, and 17 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, it was different. Um, yes. And the New York Times just published. Uh, so I guess they um, asked for writing from men about what they had done and they got i think over 700 responses from men of all ages and they asked if they could publish them um but they would only publish them if they were not anonymous so they wanted their names and so i think that there was only a handful that permitted it but there was ranging from 20s i think to 80s about men who knew that they had done something wrong and had felt ashamed about it um and in in some instances this was their first time ever just talking about it and they had talked about how they either knew that it was wrong but still wanted to or didn't realize that it was not okay until later and how it's haunted them for all these years um and that's a beautiful thing actually that a man can reflect on his own behavior and acknowledge that it was inappropriate and that it was hurtful that's actually gives me so much hope so empowering for men to be able to reflect on mistakes that they have made and bring that to the public sphere and not condemn them as bad people Mm. but poor behavior or misguided thinking what a beautiful day where we can all grow together not just the women but men women who have assaulted men you know that's not unheard of either right that there today is a day or at least we're planting the seeds that now is the time that we can all grow in the public sphere and acknowledge who we are mistakes we have made and where we're going and that gives me so much hope Thank you for listening. The conversation continues in part two. To receive notifications of our latest podcasts, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Search for A New Conversation with Hani and Peretz and subscribe. We welcome your thoughts and input on our website, anewconvo.com.